You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. The Guide to Goals podcast gives you the tools, direction, and resources you need to pursue your passion project. I'm Deborah Eckerling, Project Catalyst, and this is the Guide to Goals podcast. Our guest today is Justin Simon, and we're going to talk about creative campaigns. Justin is Chief Social Strategist at Fanatics Media, which specializes in influencer marketing and digital campaigns for B2C products and services, business to consumer for, you know, if anybody didn't know that. Justin, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Do you want to share a little bit more about your background, what you're working on, et cetera? Sure. I've been very fortunate. I've, I've had a very varied background. I've done everything from journalism to PR, social media, digital marketing, Amazon page management. Uh, you know, I find that the way we do things now, everything is intertwined and to limit yourself to just one. And we see this a lot in social media practitioners where they say, I only do social. I, I think you really end up in a situation where you are limiting yourself from achieving goals that, that you want without even realizing that you're putting limits on yourself. So, you know, I, I feel fortunate that I've had a very varied career, everything from big corporate companies like Fox to small startups with two and three people. And, and it's, a, it's a nice mixture uh, for both experience and for networking and, and meeting and find people like yourself um, and, and really getting a feel for different types of campaigns that you can run with different budgets, different sizes and different size clients. Okay, so explain for anyone who might not know, what is mm -hmm. a campaign? You're talking about a social media campaign, right? Well, I'm talking about a social media and digital marketing campaign okay. and intertwining them. Okay, so, great. Really, what, you know, and one of the things I like about your podcast is you talk about goals a lot. And, and really, you have to ask yourself before you start any campaign, what are the goals? What are the goals for the client? Because you can go in and know all of your numbers. You can know how many Facebook users. You can know engagement rates. And you can spout those, and that's fine. But if you don't know what the client's goal is, then all you're doing is a blanket campaign. You need to get very specific. How do we hit that goal? Are you looking for lead generation? Are you looking for email capture? Are you looking for e-commerce sales? Are you looking for branding? Because sometimes those are not the same things, right? I've had a client where we're doing branding campaigns where they want people to know who they are. They want people to know their name. They want people to know the product long before the product comes out. So we're not yet at the e-commerce stage. Then you have to switch to an entirely different campaign once it's time to sell. On the flip side, we've had people where we come in with these what we think are really creative ideas, and all they want is email capture. So they want more contests, they want more giveaways, they want more, you know, anything that really brings people to the site uh, could be something as simple as a white paper to give email to people who then might be customers of whatever it is they are selling down the road. So campaigns are basically for whatever the goal is, whether it's for lead generation, branding, yeah. or email capture because well email and lead gen are they a little bit the same they can be 
Um, it really depends on what you're looking for. Sometimes, you know, your, your lead gen and email capture, a lot of times overlap. Um, but sometimes you're looking for business plays. Uh, sometimes you're looking for just people to, uh, you know, email blast to who might be clients, who might be a consumer later on, as opposed to maybe a potential business partner or, or some expert in the field who you want their lead so you can talk to them about how you may partner up. Got it. Okay. So let's say... For the purpose of the Guided Goals podcast, which mm -hmm. I, I believe is for people with either side projects or yep. entrepreneurs who have many passion projects that they're building as they build their business, what what is an example of a good type of campaign for branding? Let's start with that one. That's a very interesting question. Um, you know, Taco Bell, I, I know they're the 800-pound the gorilla, but Taco Bell does a great job of not only branding all of their new products. I mean, they come up with these bizarro names, the quesadilla, chalupa, nacho, chizo, uh, you know, Pepsi-O, um, and, and whatever it is. But, but each of their products has these great new names. They find different ways to introduce them. They integrate marketing, they integrate social media, they do creative things with giveaways. So, you know, if, if you look at Taco Bell, you really want to see a case study of, of how they do it. And they're, they're a very interesting group because their social media group is actually run by former advertising executives because they didn't just want the social aspect. They wanted the marketing and advertising feel. And, and they do a really nice job of overlapping so that when their new products come out, you know what they are. When their new specials have new hours, right? All of those things are all under the Taco Bell umbrella, but they, they have the same vibe of, you know, cool, hip, late night, you know, funky food. Uh, and that's all the, the branding they're going after. But each time they're getting you interested in a singular product under that umbrella. Okay. And the goal for a branding campaign like this would be to sell more product and inform the audience about what it is they're doing, right? It's partially making sure the brand is the forefront of the brain, but it's also partially bringing clients in and getting them to think about you when they are in the market to buy the type of product you are selling. What would you consider something that would be creative for like an email campaign? Well, contests are always great. Um, people love free things. And people like to review things. People like to win things. And I, I know it sounds simplistic. People have been doing contests since you know the beginning of time in some sort or another, a, a beginning of advertising and marketing time. But people like things. We, we did a contest for a company called Zolt, which is a, a laptop charger. And it's this big and, and it's, it's this tremendous little product. So instead of carrying your big brick around, you have to, you know, you only have this little thing and travelers love it. So we ran a contest where we let people pick two tickets to L.A., New York or Miami. Whichever one you want, we'll send you there. We'll get your hotel room and we'll give you a result so that you can travel lighter. And kind of the whole concept of the campaign was travel lighter. And, and this is a great thing to take with you because instead of your brick and your iPhone plug and your iPad plug, all you need is one plug. So we got 7,000 signups for this contest for a company that nobody had ever heard of. I mean, it simply, you know, it didn't exist when we started the contest. So we went from having no nobody on our email list, or let's say it was like less than 100 people, to 7,000 in a matter of, I think it was three and a half, four weeks. And of those 7,000, we were able to convert a much larger percentage than we thought we would because they were travelers who were interested in the product. And all it cost us was about, I believe that the total number was $2,500 uh, for the trip, which wasn't too bad. We didn't send anybody first class. We didn't put anybody up at the Ritz. It was, you know, candidly Southwest Airlines and a Holiday Inn. But people got a free trip out of it, and so they were happy. And and of those people, the open rates 
of those original 7,000 people are much higher uh, than we anticipated because, again, it was a product that they were interested in because we went and found them in their travel space. And did you spend any advertising money on this? Very little. Uh, we spent some on Facebook uh, and, and a little bit on Twitter. More we used people that were connected to the brand. We, we were able to get some influencers who we had worked with on previous campaigns to, to do a, you know, a couple tweets here and there for us. Nothing major. We didn't, we didn't pay them simply because we weren't doing a major campaign around them. We said, hey, you know, you've got 50,000 followers. We paid you before. Would you send out two tweets? Would you make one Facebook post? Or something it costs them no money. They're not really associating with the brand. They could just say, hey, this is a cool contest I saw. Meanwhile, every time they do that, 150 people show up. So, you know, I think the advertising budget was maybe $1,500. I know it was less than 2000 So it wasn't, you know, for, for $5,000 for less than a buck a head, um, we got, you know, an email blast going. And then we were able to email these people over and over and over again until we were, had our branding exercises and then into sales. And when sales came about, now obviously there was, you know, once the whole thing started and there were sales, we had a PR team, you know, we had, we had a much larger marketing budget. I don't want to pretend that we didn't, but they sold so many that they went into back order. Wonderful. Which is a good well. problem and a bad problem. Yeah, we had a, we had a very, very successful campaign. They were hoping to sell uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10,000 units. At launch, and they 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 crushed that number by a pretty good amount, and so we're on back order for for a little while, but are now uh, within the next couple of weeks uh, up to speed, and we'll be shipping on time. and And they've they've developed this market that uh, they were able to own just by you know interesting branding and marketing campaigns. Okay, that's great. Give me another one. Let's see what what's another different type. How about surveys? What's a good example of a survey campaign? I think the two things you need to do, one post survey you need to do is your voice of your customer, right? So that you can know who you're actually marketing to, whether it's on social media, whether it's digital marketing, whether it's email campaign. If you don't know who's going to buy your product, if you don't know the people they follow, the, the types of information they want, then you're really just spitting stuff into the wind and hoping that the things you like and the things that you have seen to be successful resonate with the people who are your eventual customer. So I would, I would say before you start any campaign, the first thing you do is your voice to the customer survey. Figure out the personas and the type of people that you are going after so that you can go after them and speak their language. The people who are into herbal essential oils and yoga are not going to be, for the most part, people that are into $200 basketball shoes. And if you market them the same way, you're missing out on likely a large portion of both. So the first survey you do is the, is the voice of the customer. The second survey we always do is something interesting in that client's realm, whether it is you know, a travel survey for this aforementioned charger or a finance survey for a company like moneytips.com, which is a big personal finance site. Um, we, we've done food bloggers and we've had, you know, or, I'm sorry, food products and tech products. And we go out and we, we field a survey of people that are interested in that space. And the results that come back are always interesting. One, they're generally newsworthy, so you're getting PR out of it. And at that point, we can pitch a PR story. Two, if, if 79 to 85% of people are telling you any one thing, then you've got to pay attention to that, right? You've got to know, okay, well, they all follow, and I'll just pick one from, from the Money Tip survey we did, Dave Ramsey was a very, very popular host. We said, where do you get your information from? And, and Dave Ramsey was very popular. So we started looking at what Dave Ramsey did and we said, okay, well, we can mimic and echo some of those things and then 
you know, make them our own by changing the creative, changing, you know, uh, the messaging and what have you. But at least at that point, we know our audience is engaged because that's what they want. So now we have a story on it in the media. We've got stories on our site for original content, which we can then share on social. We can make infographics out of it. We can make, you know, quotable graphics out of it. Um, depending on your budget, you can make videos out of the results by, you know, doing one minute explainer videos. Um, and so, so these surveys, they just lead to so much content, both for your marketing campaign and your social campaign, and they're relatively inexpensive. And the people you find to do the surveys, is that through social and your email list? Is that pretty much? It's, it's a combination of social, email list. There are companies that will run surveys cheap uh, and they know all the breakdowns. So if you say, hey, we're looking for men, you know, 20 to 45 who are into tech, they say, okay, well, we can send it to a thousand people for X number of dollars, or we can guarantee, you know, 500 respondents within two weeks, or, or whatever it may be. There are all kinds of, uh, and you can find them on YouTube, different marketing hacks and, and tricks to getting surveys, you know, taken and making sure that the people really respond to them. And so, sometimes, by the way, it's as simple as a $50 Amazon card. You know, we'll say, hey, take this survey and you're entered doing a $50 Amazon card and it's a, a five-minute survey and people say, you know what, five minutes is worth my chance at winning a $50 or $100 card. We gave away a GoPro once when it was we were looking for about 2,000 people uh, and the GoPro we were able to get a pretty good sale on at the time and so I think it cost, you know, roughly $250. Meanwhile, we for, for only that amount, we were able to get 1,200 respondents to a survey wow. and that's a sizable number to figure out, okay, where are we taking our campaign now? So the surveys themselves are a campaign, but you also use them to get information so you know your customer for future campaigns. That's correct. And to, and to give you a lot of uh, content. Mm -hmm. You know, every time I get information on a survey, that's more things I can post on social. Right. So it's the never-ending cycle. Right. Okay. Which is really where you want to put yourself, right? Because if you're struggling for content, if you're struggling to hit your, your consumer, uh, then you're, you're putting yourself in a pretty bad spot. If you put yourself where you continually do tracks where everything cycles, right? The, the infographics lead to more people interested, which lead to them willing to take the next survey, which lead to more videos, which lead to blog posts, which lead to you know, e-commerce sales, which lead to promotions that we announce on social, bringing people back to sell more product. It, it is, if you're doing it right, it's a, it's a uh, positively vicious cycle. I would love one more example. Let's say someone wants to do a campaign, sign up for an email and receive this ebook, mm -hmm. whatever, or white paper. What, do sure. you have a good example of someone who did that well? Um, HubSpot does a pretty good job with that. HubSpot gives away great social media information. They do white papers, they do surveys, they do um, you know, the latest or a look ahead. And so they do all these really interesting informational things that if you're in the business, you want to know. So I'm willing to give you my email address and my real email address because I want this information. I want it to keep coming to me. And then, you know, once a week or so, I get the HubSpot email. And it might be, hey, here's the latest in social media or here's a new way to reach people with our analytics platform or whatever it is. So now they're at the forefront of my mind, but they've given me something. Right? They've given me an ebook that I've read or they've given me a white paper that I was able to then use. You know, I mean, Not all of it. It might be a 50-page white paper, but on, let's say, pages 23 to 26 were four great ideas that then I took to my client and it cost me nothing. So I, I think that there are um, a couple companies in the social media world that do a really nice job, but HubSpot is the one that stands out to me. I guess the lesson from that is if you're an expert in something and you're building your business, figure out 
different ways to generate not just free content, but content that you can give away in exchange for an email address. So you have more people to give surveys, more information. It, it really is a cycle, isn't it? It is. It really is. And, and, and the, the guy who runs Fanatics Media is the social media columnist for Forbes, guy by the name of uh, Mark Fidelman, very, very bright guy. And Mark, if you go on, on either fanaticsmedia.com or if you go to the YouTube page, you'll see one minute. He just gives away information. Just absolutely gives away, hey, last week we had success doing an Amazon page. Here's the software we use. Here's how we use them. Here's you know what you should know to do exactly that. And I asked him once why he gives away so much information. And he said, because I know how to do it. And he said, so if you're a big company really looking to hire a company to do it, and you see these things, you say, well, he really knows what he's talking about. I'm happy to give away that information for free to you know people who watch it and maybe you know they may take it to a small client or they may do it for the, their own personal gain. But when the big companies that know they are outsourcing agencies and outsourcing for talent start to look at who really knows their stuff, those videos can be an immeasurable ROI. That's, I love that. That, and that's a really good case for why people should be constantly creating content to get their brand business expertise out there. So yeah, I, I mean, you very rarely have an idea. You very rarely anymore have an idea that is so your own that nobody else has ever thought of that, you know, if, if, if you tell anybody they're going to run and go make a gazillion dollars. So if your information is good, you're an expert in the marketplace. Make sure people know you know that you're an expert in the marketplace. Make sure that your information is out there because otherwise they won't find you. You're sitting on the idea you won't share with anybody that you're certain one of these days is going to be a winning lottery ticket, but nobody's coming to hire you because they don't know how smart you are. They don't know how ingrained in the, the system of success you are. So, you know, it, it sounds strange to give it away for free, but it has worked for, you know, look, it, it worked for pretty much every social media platform early on, and it's worked for a lot of the big marketing firms. Any final thoughts on campaign before we go into wrap-up mode? Final thoughts on campaign. Convince your brands to trust you. They've hired you for your knowledge. They've hired you for your expertise. And the first thing they want to do is go back a lot of times to their safety net. Very few companies are, are willing to really gamble. And if you go back to the safety net that they've had before you were hired, then you're not really doing a good job for them. You've got to pull them out of their comfort zone and say, okay, let, let's get you out of this, this comfort you've been in and let's try some, let's take some chances. It may not be anything crazy. It may just be a simple contest, right? Where there's no real loss, but, but we're going to give away something or we're going to try something different or we're going to change some coloring on Thursdays. Every Thursday is going to be purple day or whatever it may be. Just these little things to get the client out of their comfort zone so that they can see that not being in their comfort zone can give them more success if they stick with you and use your creativity. And for the people who are doing this on their own, because I, I think most of my audience is like scrappy, mm -hmm. I, I think that the directive from that is to, to come up with some ideas of out of your comfort zone things and just try one. You know, make a great, I guess I, I'm talking too soon, but, but that's going to be the professional goal of the week is to make a list of 10 out of the box ideas of ways nice. to, to brand your business and do one of them. Well, and when you go in as an individual, and I've done this for, for years, I, I do work with Fanatics Media. I also have my side clients. Um, and as you and I know, we've known each other a little while. I, I've been on my own before as a solo uh, entrepreneur in this space. If you go in playing it safe, you are not separating yourself from everybody else. 
They could like you all you want, but if your ideas are the same as everybody else's, then they're going to go with the cheapest person. You have to give them a reason to pay you more to show them that your campaign will be better. Um, and, and I do think that making a list of these outside-the-box ideas is a really good idea. I, I also think you don't want to limit yourself. If you are going in as a solopreneur, if you will, then show them your expertise. Set yourself apart. Don't just buy into, well, you know, this campaign worked for a competitor, so I'm just going to bring it to you. Take an entirely different tact. If, if you're really going to make it on your own, then you've got to be able to think differently anyway. You've got to not think like a corporation. You've got to not think like everybody else because you're going to have to hustle harder. You know, it's not going to be an easy road. And, and I've certainly had the ups and downs. But if, if you're willing to take gambles and you're willing to, you know, come in with different ideas and, and promise different results, and then obviously you got to hit them. But, but that's where you're going to be able to charge more and get more clients by being just different. So work-life balance, what do you do or what do you recommend people do to have some balance in their life? Up until recently, I was one of those around-the-clock workers. And, and look, I'm not going to pretend that I don't still check my Facebook for, for accounts, you know, my accounts late at night or, or check a Twitter early Saturday morning. But I took a, an interesting course called Life Hack Bootcamp, and it's an online course. Um, it's a productivity course. And they, in essence, redesign the way you time your day. And so I am getting more work done during the day that normally didn't happen or, or used to not happen, I should say. And so at 6.30 every day, an alarm goes off on my phone and says, your day's over. And I try to stick to that as best I can. If I did my job with realigning my time segments throughout the day, then I've gotten 90% of my work done for the day. And if it's not an urgent project that night, then it can be done the next morning. Right? You're not, you generally, when you make a to-do list, not going to get through all of it every day. So be honest with yourself and shift something to tomorrow. If it's not against deadline, it's okay. You know, you don't have to beat yourself up at, at 11 o'clock at night. If you started working at 8 and you're still working at 11, you are not at your top. You are just barely hanging on no matter how good you think you are working at night. So, you know, do everything you can up until about 6.30, 7 o'clock and then shut it off. If, if somebody needs to reach you, they've got your phone number, they've got your text. If there's an emergency... You know, you, you generally know when there's a situation where an emergency could arise. If you're launching a new campaign, that's a possibility. If you put out a very questionable or, or controversial tweet, you might know that that's coming. But if you're going about your daily basis with any client for any normal product, the odds of you having an emergency are about this big. So don't feel the need to check your phone all night long wondering, will there be a social emergency? Because there just isn't. Which leads to a great personal goal, which is to set a cutoff time with an alarm. I love that. I recommend that all the time. That it's time to stop working. Well, and give yourself give yourself breaks throughout the day. I think a lot of solopreneurs feel that they have to be on all day long. And the problem with being on by yourself is you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of a lot of times. So your brain's never stopping. And if you don't give yourself a little bit of a break, a 10-minute walk, a 15-minute snack session, if you're into meditation or yoga or, or, or riding a bike, just go get outside or get away from the computer for just a few minutes a couple times a day. I think you'll find that it's, it's, it will really revitalize you and, and make you stronger at the end of the day than you used to be. Wonderful. Love it. Okay, so to recap, the personal goal is to set a cutoff time and take breaks throughout the day. And the professional goal is to make a list of 10, 20 out-of-the-box ideas of ways to set yourself apart and pick one and try it out. Because you never know what's going to happen unless you do things to shake things up a little bit, right? I agree 100%. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Justin Simon, for joining us today to talk about creative campaigns and more. 
And you can go to guidedgoals.com to get the show notes in either watch or listen to the podcast, depending on what you prefer. And you've got your marching orders, so go out, be creative, take breaks, and go for it. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.